Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. It's Friday, it's summer, and it's hot. I just I thought I'd, I thought I'd just go ahead and start that way. We are in the middle of summertime. We complain sometimes, or we mention sometimes when it's crazy cold here. I just thought I'd mention it got crazy hot here. We're having really, that as well. It's really interesting being in Utah that it gets hot enough to make you forget that it snows. Oh yeah, and it gets cold enough and wintry enough to make you forget all about summer. <laughs> it's what, the strangest thing. Actually. It is. What happens with me is invariably I end up editing something from the season three month, three right. or four months ago, and I'm just like, I don't remember it being that way. But, right. but we're in the middle of summer right now. To that end, I have a couple of big announcements right up front. Yes. yes. First off, we're taking a break next week. We're taking a midsummer break. We haven't done that before, but we're doing it for a lot of reasons. But one of the main ones is we are shooting a monster piece that is every bit as big as a feature film, mm-hmm. and we don't want to try to cram in like weirdly recorded podcasts. We don't get you guys questions and that kind of stuff. So we're going to just take a break all next yeah, week. Yeah, and we want to put our best effort forward in, you know, in anything we do. So something has to give, as you know. And so we're taking that break. And it's it's actually helpful for us, mm-hmm. but... You know, we'll come back recharged and, and fresh, too. We'll, be, we'll come back really excited about the podcast because the other thing going on here is in a few weeks from now, this is podcast number 620. And I'm mentioning that because remember that podcast 625, that will be a Monday night we will record it. That is the 9th of August. We will record a live podcast for 625. It'll be live on YouTube, and then that will become the audio file on 625. That'll be an all-questions podcast. We're very excited about that as well. Oh, yes. and that's that's just some of the announcements. I almost forgot the <laughs> big one. It keeps going. I almost forgot the huge one. The huge one is Utah Adventure. Go to the Adventures tab right now. You can sign up for Utah Adventure. It is limited space available. This is, for lack of a better way to put it, the closest we've done to a U.S. version of pilgrimage. These are some of our very favorite roads. It is an all-in price. Yes. So the only yes. thing you'll pay for after the, the, the fee for it is going to be your gas. Of course, you've got to bring a car, but, you, but your gas. We are doing some of our very favorite roads in Utah. It's open right now. You can go to registration this minute. A few more announcements. We have Season 9 TV Episode 3 airing Saturday, July 17, 2021. It is the 2021 BMW M4 versus the 2021 Mustang Mach 1. They are shockingly close in so many specs and characteristics. And it is aptly named Beaver and Horse. It is Beaver Beaver versus Horse. It's actually really fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And also, Blip Shift shirts, Add mm. Brightness and Fluent In. Those two shirts, those are going to be, well, they're current right now on Blip Shift yep, if you're current right with now. the podcast. But I do want to mention up next is Big Butts and Minister of Finance. If you missed out the first round mm-hmm. of the Minister of Finance shirts, that has proven to be one of our most popular shirts. Yes, for sure. If you missed out, watch Blip Shift co- closely because that is coming. And since we won't be here next Friday, last thing I've got for you, once we, since we won't be here next Friday live, we should mention this to you as well. Well, next week's TV episode is for Rally Ready Off-Road Rally Racing, and it is it is surprisingly fun. Watch Paul it's and I. It's dirty. It's yes. dirty. Yes. Watch Paul and I. Watch our, watch our brains kind of grind to a halt as we get completely retrained how to drive. That's coming up in two weeks. We're excited about that one yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we also ground some gears. And big thanks to the whole crew at Rally Ready. That is definitely coming. Our first debate comes from Michael W. in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. who's riding with champagne taste on a beer budget. <laughs> Isn't that all of us, though, on some, some yeah, degree? Yeah, my mom yeah. always accused me of having champagne taste. Then I went to design school, and then I was confirmed. Then it got like, worse. Yeah, now I know how <laughs> how products are made and designed and yeah it's gotten even worse michael is 21 he's currently living in the greater phoenix metro area while he trains to become a commercial airline pilot wow okay cool he's been listening to the podcast michael thank you so much for writing in he's watched the youtube channel since summer 2018 he's seen almost all the shows that's cool thank you he's been holding off Okay. Because he always thought he knew enough about cars to make his own purchasing decisions. And you're right, Michael. That's not what this podcast is designed to be. Mm. It's either affirmation for mm-hmm. the things yeah, that you want to buy. A lot, yeah. It's car conclusions for, guys, I never wrote in, but thanks to you, I bought a... Or th- not thanks to you, I bought a <laughs> yeah. insert car here. Yeah, for sure. But we want to be a sounding board to mm-hmm. bounce ideas off mm-hmm. of, and we love that. He says things have come to a head recently, and he needs help. Okay. He got into cars because of seeing KBB's coverage of the 2013 Geneva Auto Show. Mm. The Alfa Romeo 4C is still to this day his favorite car because of that show. That's interesting. Okay. All right. His dad had a 1993 Suzuki Sidekick at that time. (laughs) 
So contrast that with seeing a LaFerrari and a Rolls Royce Wraith. That was pure ecstasy for a 13-year-old Michael. Mm -hmm. His dad then proceeded to purchase two Subarus for he and his brother, one of which in 1999 Outback is unfortunately still running. (laughs) He's the one that says it's unfortunately still running. We didn't actually have to go there. Yeah. I mean, we might agree, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. He moved to Idaho from Connecticut when he was 18. He bought an 03 Mercury Sable for 1500 bucks. It lasted about a year, and then he happily got rid of it due to excessive rust. <laughs> How did you get rid of it, though? Yeah, it did you Viking film burial? a video getting rid of it, yes. or was it like I sold it? Did you park it on a runway, land a plane on it? I mean, let's do something Ooh. spectacular. Or, you know, when you've seen cars behind the jet engines. Oh, yeah, and they get blown away. That, there exactly. you go. That's how you solve the, the throttles rust. and like send it into the very, next that'd county. Be perfect. I like that. Well, after that car, he financed an 06 BMW 325i sedan with a manual for $6,100. Okay, all right. At the time, he thought it was the perfect affordable car. Manual, rear-wheel drive, four doors, and a sweet six-cylinder engine. For sure. He bought it sight unseen from a dealer in Portland and had it shipped to Sandpoint, Idaho, where he was living at the time. He said it had a few scratches and worn-out tires, but nothing serious or so he thought. Well, now, hang on. What's happened Hit the here? the fast forward button, though. What's happened here is that Michael is doing that thing that you and I have done with our cheap sports cars. Yeah. And the yeah. cars that we keep getting for challenges, including the ones that we bought that we haven't revealed yet. We've done the same thing on all of them, and that is what I will describe as the post-purchase inspection. You go, yes, I do want it's that just car. just as valid. I do want that car. It's just, just, what, ha- what happens You is, already own it at that point. You know you're going to spend the money, what, but what it's still a valid What happens is your excitement inspection. gets tempered after the fact exactly. instead of before. With a pre-purchase <laughs> inspection, you kind of know what you're getting into. The post-purchase is, I like this. It's awesome. It's really cool. And then a mechanic goes, <clears throat> uh, come here a minute. Look, while I got your car in the lift, can I just show you something? <laughs> Let me show you this. Well, he says he took it into a local mechanic to do a service inspection. That was a year and a half. After he bought the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, this is a post-post-purchase inspection. Uh-huh. 5,000 in repairs was quoted, mostly related to fixing a myriad of oil leaks. Oh. But things like a new diff, rear shocks, he says this has been a bit difficult to justify. He says some of those items could be put down to deferred maintenance, but the car has not had any major reliability issues. He's kept up with the brakes, oil, and tires with a set of Firehawk Indy 500s. Cool. With that in mind, he's thinking about replacing it. If he did everything. Now, Gosh. Now, now look, here. <laughs> let, let, let me say both sides of this issue. First off, if you get a really good mechanic, they're going to be smart about it and say, here's everything you have to do, and here's all the stuff that while you're doing the have-tos, you should also do these things. It's the while you're right and in it, there kind and of it, thinking. And I, and yes. I understand, because we've all been here. You, you kind of feel like you're being taken advantage of. Because $5,000 in repairs on a car I paid $6,000 for, what are you talking about? That's a kick in the boop boop. Yeah, it is. But, but, but it does become one of those things where we can, we can address the stuff that is really bleeding, or we can address all of the wounds, and your mechanic is going to go, here's everything it needs, Yeah. and then you have to be the one to be like, we're only going this far. But $5,000, I mean, basically, he has to buy the car again if he does all of those repairs. This is why he's replacing it. And Michael, as you know, mechanics want to get your car Back on the road. They want to get it perfect again. They want to get it running right. And that's their headspace first. But then you and the mechanic have to think about safety first. I really, really does run. Yeah. Really does have to happen because if it's a safety issue where it might cause a problem, you lose control of the vehicle, Mm -hmm. that has to be addressed first and foremost. And you do need to spend the money on that kind of thing. But then, you know, you have to decide how much can I afford? How much do I want to live with that light that's on the dash? Or, you know, you have to balance that out. And I think you did. But at this point, you're wanting to replace it. I don't mm-hmm. blame you. Yeah, yeah. It says from a dynamic standpoint, the car feels like a compromise. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It feels heavy, at least, at 3,400 pounds. He says the shifter is less of a rule and more of a guideline. This stick right here, that suggests the next gear. The car might not pay attention to me. But Se- second is in that direction. At least I tried. <laughs> He says the hydraulic steering feels amazing. The cornering balance of the rear is of the car is near perfect, but it just feels soft. And and I'm not surprised that that car, 2006 BMW 325 i sedan, is very solid. But I would not describe it as a standout either. Right. Well, he says he knows he could throw money at it. He could oh, fix or sure. upgrade this. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Welcome to the money pit. Mm-hmm. He says last year he drove a selection of very different cars, trying to find something with a better ride and handling combination. He offered up a long list. Big list, yeah. A lot of sedans. He did drive the Hyundai Veloster and DCT, a Stinger, 
the Miata RF 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julia's on here. Alpha Julia's Julia. on yeah. there. Of course, the BRZ, a Mazda 3 Turbo. Mm-hmm. He's driven some modern, interesting, Lots fun cars. And tons I like of, that you've done your drive homework already, Mike. Tons of it. He really, really know what you like. And he said out of the ones he drove, he drove a 2020 Subaru BRZ, and he felt like this is the exact right car for me. I wish the motor was better, which made him Hi, go, welcome to the world. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's getting updated. I that's wish the motor was better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he says the new one that's coming is too expensive. Yeah, well, most everything he yeah. drove is too expensive for him, yeah. Now, he's been doing his drive homework based on his expected budget after finishing flight school, which is about thirty to $40,000, not on the budget for replacing his car in a few months since he was expecting it to last through flight school. Yeah. But that has changed. That's kind of out the window, even though, you know, he was kind of doing the, the pre-plan, you know, yeah. way He's out like, there. What do I want if I'm spending 30 to 40 grand? Because I'm going to spend it in a couple of years when I'm done with flight right. school. Now I have to get a car currently. Yeah. There's the now that you got to pay And with the expenses to. of flight school, he's telling us that his budget is now something below 10 grand. Well, he's spending two grand a month on flight school. Man, oh man. And he expects to do that for at least another year, mm. which of course doesn't leave a lot of money for a car. And he says all in, currently he's spending about four fifty a month, including the car payment, insurance, gas. He'd like to stay as close to that number as much as possible. Wow, okay. So that means a budget of ten grand. Yep. Yep, that's how it adds up. Not the future flight school budget. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it's hard for all of us to say, I'm gonna shop for that car based on the job that I just applied for. Can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Even though I am thrilled that you're becoming a pilot, we need pilots. Yeah, very and cool. And I, I love that, Michael. So I wish you all the best in your career. That's fantastic. It's very cool. And but, I believe you will get a job because pilots are in very high demand. But it doesn't matter that, where you go. That huge expense of per month to become trained right. is going to completely flip. And so that would have worked, but it doesn't work right now. Right. And so, you know, you'll almost kind of have a guaranteed job. Mm-hmm. Almost, right? But... We just don't know what that means. So we can't shop for that. Yeah. We got to shop right now. And the problem is, Michael's saying, I need fun. Yeah. I, I need it to drive yeah. well. I can't just get the replacement car to limp through because mm-hmm. of the disease that's in all of us. <laughs> for sure. So because of that, he's, he thought, oh, I'll just look at hybrids like the Fusion and the Camry. Mm-hmm. He could get a newer car with that budget and offset the cost with the better gas mileage. But he abandoned this idea specifically because he wants joy in his life. <laughs> that is his quote. Of course. I still want joy in my life. Of course you do. <laughs> he prefers rear-wheel drive in a manual, although these, although these are not required, he says. He says having remote start for the AC would be nice. Uh, we That's got, a we, bit of an aftermarket we, kind we, of thing. We got to take some things off the yeah, table, Michael. I, that one's going. I'm I, sorry. I, I love the idea. But he says it might be worth sacrificing the manual on the altar of comfort. Mm-hmm. Is that just like a giant pile of pillows or something, something like that? Like? Yes. He doesn't need more than two seats due to his friends suddenly not liking to drive with him anymore. <laughs> huh. You drive quickly, Michael. Is this what's happening? Are you huh. are you chucking that BMW around, or are they scared of the BMW? I, you haven't clarified here. I really wonder. Yeah. He says they're not going to talk about it. But he says all the usual suspects are too expensive in this crazy mm-hmm. car market that we're yeah. currently experiencing. Yeah, for sure. He says in his area, the Miata, the 86, the Fiesta ST are all running $16,000 and higher. Oh, oh man. In his that's area. Hard. He also says the Z3 and the Nissan 350Z are running twelve grand and up. Man, oh, man. Okay. He found a few MR2 spiders for his budget, but they're in rough shape, and they're being sold by shady dealers away in California. By the way, Michael, if you're looking for shady, try buying an old Maserati in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. uh, from a used car dealer operated out of a bail bond lawyer's office in a strip mall next to the airport with a credit card at night. Every part of that. Was a no-no. Every, like, we like checked every box for this is not the right way to buy a car. We did them all. Also, we arrived at the get dealer. get a bad feeling in your heart? <laughs> we arrived, Try it. We arrived at the dealer at dusk. So we didn't even have like bright sunlight to check out the car. It was just, if it's you like, had, guys, could you pull out your phone? So I, I need which, some light. Which we did. If you could have made a list of the terrible way to buy a car, that Maserati purchase, which thankfully was wonderful. If you haven't watched our cheap sedan series, that Maserati's wonderful through that series, surprised us all. It did. But it, it started about as shady as possible. Totally. Well, Michael's looked at getting another sports sedan. He says a Lexus IS or a Cadillac CTS. He purposely avoided Lexus when he was shopping two years ago because it drove worse than the three series. And he says, I'm not satisfied with my car currently, so going backwards doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Yeah, I can see And that. the CTS gets worse gas mileage, so that it would cost the same to run, so it's mm-hmm. not helpful. But he does say he adores Mini Coopers. 
How are we switching okay. one right. BMW product for another? He's like, is that the right move here? That could be concerning. Yeah, move. I perceive, for sure. For he sure. says Golf and GTI, that's interesting. He preferred to stay away from German cars until he has the budget to take care of one properly. How about Italian cars, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> just asking. Jeep Maseratis, they're out there. <laughs> just terrifying. Asking. Yeah. This puts him in something like a Civic or a Veloster. Mm-hmm. And he says when he was 17, he drove an 06 Honda Civic Si, and he was introduced the idea of a 7,000 RPM plus rev limiter. Pretty cool. He says that was fun, but he was a snob at the time and wanted rear-wheel drive. I can see that. Yeah. He's never driven an older Veloster. He was also reminded, he said, when re- reading an article about a potential hybrid Miata that the Honda CRZ still exists. Yes, it does. What's fascinating is as I was reading through your email, Michael, about two-thirds of the way in, I thought, has he looked at a Honda CRZ? And then you hit it. Yeah. Which is awesome. Keep going. I love that stuff leads him to other I t- cars. I totally agree. That's wonderful. And you're rectifying your snobbery and mm-hmm. your desires against flight school, your age, and your budget. Yes. And he says, look, what I like about it is it's manual transmission. The gas mileage is good and the insurance is good. The problem is it's rare and he's never actually driven one. He's kind of asking, is this a viable candidate? And I have to say to you, Michael, yes, absolutely. Now, it is a small hybrid front-wheel drive car. Mm-hmm. So at it pushed real hard. Guess what? It understeers. Yes. Not yes. a surprise. It's not going to have your rear-wheel drive rotation that you were used to on the BMW. The BMW may not have been everything you hoped for, but its rotation and dynamics are going to feel different than this small little front-wheel drive. However, watch our piece about it, which is old now, but watch our piece about it. We both were pleasantly surprised by that car. I still dig it. I, I think it's great. I love that you brought it up. Yes, that's in your budget. I believe, though, Michael, that I have the car for you. The perfect car. I want to start, though, with your Lexus comments, because I was wondering about the first-generation Lexus IS300, oh, built from first. 98 to 05. Sure. Manual, rear-wheel drive. I found you one. 2002 IS300 base. It's a five-speed. Mm. It's got 136,000 miles in Redmond, Washington, so it's not too far from you. The problem is the owner's asking 14.9. You're kidding. I am not. I, I mean, they're That's they're like cool. a record scratch they're, kind of. They're cool, what? but no. $14,900, almost fifteen grand. What was the mileage on it? 136. That seems. I mean, look. I know. I know the world is year old car. The world is nuts right now, but that seems really high. That seems high to me. So I moved on, and because <laughs> of Todd's announcement that we're doing this summer break, we are doing the cheap sports car challenge with all the cheap sports cars mm-hmm. that you can buy, just like the requirements that we set out to with our two cheap sports cars. Yep. The same requirements apply to all of those cars. We have eight cars total. We are shooting that. And I will say we have found BMW Z4s and Z3s for under $8,000. That was the thing. It's everything we're going to have in this shoot. You can find it currently for less than $8,000 using the same parameters you and I did to get our Z4 and our SLK. We're using those parameters again right now in the midst of this madness. And we're finding stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. I liked your idea about the older Mini Cooper. You could spend less, but then you're just waiting for something to blow up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Maybe. But here's your perfect car. Way back up at the top of your email, you said when you were 13, you saw the Alfa Romeo 4C. He says, to this day, it's still your favorite car. Okay, where'd you go? How about a Fiat 500 Abarth with pretty much the same engine? Sure, 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 yeah, yeah. Michael, if you go to autotempest.com slash everyday Mm -hmm. and you type in your parameters, 500 Abarth, doesn't matter the year. Yeah. You can use manual transmission, but most of them, fortunately, found our manual. And with a price cap of ten grand and under, there's pages, loads mm-hmm. and loads and loads of these cars mm-hmm. under ten grand. I found one with under forty thousand miles for ten grand. Love it, love it. I mean, to the point where I think Todd and I should just go buy two of them right now. <laughs> we should just like buy it's our next challenge, just because. What are we doing? We have them. Why did we not buy a Bart's? Right, a Bart's for everyone. There's pages of these Interesting. cars. It's good. That's why I jokingly asked you. How do you feel about an Italian car? Sure. But you liked that 4C. Mm-hmm. You liked that car. Yeah. How about something yeah, yeah. close to it? You mentioned the CRZ. How about that kind of car, front-wheel drive, fun yeah. to drive? Yeah, yeah. Only in the 500. That's excellent. The Abarth. I do like that. I think you would dig it. Yeah. And it's for now. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. It's different than your BMW, but it is for now. Mm-hmm. It's just for a period of time until yeah. you do graduate and get your job. 
and then go shopping with your new budget and get that rear wheel drive. To be honest, I think it will be a nice refreshing change for you to feel these dynamics. Mm. It will fit Mm. your budget from a fuel economy and fun to drive and budget standpoint. Mm. And it will also make you desire that future rear wheel drive car dynamics even more. Interesting. You won't have that now and then kind of be like, that's fine. And I'm like rear wheel drive and I'm just looking for the next rear wheel drive. I mean, that's good, but yeah, for still, sure. I think it will make you crave that feeling even more, but you'll still enjoy this now. That's very good. And they're cool. They are cool. I like that a lot. I think, I think you may have landed on the right thing. I'm going to run through a couple others for Michael. First off, I am going to encourage you on the Honda CRZ, but I'm going to caution you to expect sports car dynamics. Don't expect sports car dynamics, True. but it is, it's interesting. It drives well. It's got a really good six-speed. I think that six-speed is probably one of the closest ones I've encountered to the S2000, and everybody loves the S2000 six-speed. That one feels pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Front-wheel drive car, very good, and good gas mileage. I, I think that would be a solid choice. The question I have for you is, yes, you can buy an old rear-wheel drive convertible for less than ten grand. We are about to litter the screen with them. <laughs> we are. We're going to fill your screens with them. This yes. is a really cool couple of uh, YouTube video piece that we're doing. We're doing a ton of content. By the way, another announcement I didn't mention earlier, August August has become cheap car month here on Everyday Driver. Everybody's talking about yeah. how you can't get anything that's fun and cool. The whole month of August, we're going to be dealing with our cheap sports cars and more We've got so much content coming out on both YouTube channels under cheap sports cars. And we're and in every case it's going to be stuff under ten grand. So we're very excited about that. It's also, I will add to that, to, designed to be somewhat definitive. We never like to use that term with any of yeah. our work. Yeah. Because every, you know, some new car always comes out and mm-hmm. changes your attitude or beats the last one. Sure, sure. But these will always be that way. We believe that. Well, I mean, we're finding them now. Yeah. I think you will find them in the future and the dynamics, even if it's an old car, those remain. And that's what we're going to discuss. We're very excited about that. So there's, there's two I want to bring up here that I absolutely know you could get for your budget. One is the Pontiac Solstice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's not a car that seems obvious, but I think look around, look wider than whatever your net is. Go out five to 700 miles, mm-hmm. which is a day trip. And look, that, that has cost too, and I get that. But make a day trip out of it. Go get the car, drive it home, okay? So look for the Pontiac Solstice. That's absolutely viable out there. Now, there is the turbo versions, the GXP versions, those exist. Those might not be in your budget, but the non-turbo versions, bring your 10,000 and go buy one. They are out there yeah, completely. The good. other one is the third gen Miata. Yeah, the NC Miata. Yeah. I actually was looking on Auto Tempest at the autotempest.com every day, and I found an NC in that really nice kind of Bordeaux red, oh. power retractable hardtop. It was gorgeous. It was listed for $9,000. What? Yeah. Manual? I, I didn't actually dig that far, okay. but I was... But I was Nevertheless. No, no, no I, sorry, take it back. My search was manual, so it must have been. Oh, okay. I only looked for manual. Okay, all right. So it must have been. I didn't go through for all the photos, grand? but it was nine. It was listed at nine. Now, it was around 100,000 miles, but who cares? That's going to run. So I, I think run. look for those kind of things because they are out there. Now, I like your point, Paul, and that is if he goes and gets a Fiat 500 a Bart, he has a little bit of Italian experience. It just touches on that 4C a little bit. And it gives him a totally different dynamic to yeah. what he's had, which yeah. gives him a reference point for later. I do like that a lot. But I wanted to mention that they're out there. The cheap old convertible rear-wheel drives are out there, and we are about to have many. Michael, we wish you all the best with your schooling and yeah. your career in general. Keep us posted. You've got more drive homework to do. Mm-hmm. I love that you're thinking for the future, but I, I understand the right now. So let us know what you get and write to us with your own debate. If you've got one like Michael's, TV at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website. That's also where you can find the Adventures tab and mm-hmm. find out more about the upcoming Utah meetup for September 2021. DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. I even have my car on there. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. You can drive something crazy cool. That way, renters can find cars that bring out the awesome at every moment, while owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion. To sign up, cruise over to DriveShare.com or download their app for iOS or Android. That's DriveShare.com. Nathan is in Illinois, awaiting free agent status. (laughs) 
He's he's not on a sports team. He's just not. He has a Honda Accord Sport one one point five turbo, and the lease is coming due or coming up. And when it's when it's up, he'll be a free agent. Be he a can go get whatever again. he wants. <laughs> he doesn't want to screw it up though with something he won't enjoy and won't be excited to drive every day. We love that. That's exactly why we're here. Well, he's had some good cars in the past. Nathan says, in recent years, it's just turned dull. Mm. You've had, he's had a few Fox Body 5.0 Mustangs, 97 Mustang Cobra, and 02, the Bug Eye Edition WRX. His, those were cool. Those was his favorite, but the rest were boring commuter cars. Okay. He is a 36-year-old father of three. Congratulations. But he says the two older kids are driving age and can get themselves around most of the time. You were a young father. Good for you. Yeah. Plus, his wife's Kia Sorento can pull family duty whenever they need it. So, fine. He's considered, get this, an Evo 8 or 9. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that is that is a different place than you are right now. It is a yes. different car, he says, but the outrageous prices and the fact they aren't getting any newer, he says, that's eh, kind of steered me away. And let's be honest, he loves them to have Evo 8s and, and they are very cool. cool. They make the Evo 10 seem like a luxury car. It do, it they seems are like a raw. Boat. They are just raw, raw, raw. And most of the time, the people that have them have made them even more raw. You don't typically I, I see mean, eights and nines where somebody has just tried to keep them stock. They've taken them more aggressive than they started, which is like crazy levels of fire breathing. They're very cool, I mean, but we, I, we, yeah. We did review one one time, and this person, this was this person's only car, mm-hmm. and it had a racing clutch in it. He drove it all the time, everywhere with mm-hmm. his girlfriend. It was painful. It was a, it was a lot for yeah. your left leg. So he wants to go something Driving experience, something fun, sure, of course. Sure. But, you know, you don't want to go too far where you went, oh, I screwed it up going the other way. So he's trying to <laughs> pinball his way and keep yep, it, yep. you know, within something fun, something different. But he does have a healthy budget around $500 a month to do that. He could okay. be stretched to $600. Ooh, Nathan, never write that. He says, don't ever say, don't ever say it's going to be stretched. Don't ever give Paul stretch dollars. I, I will. That 600 becomes 1200 real quick. <laughs> Take that money. <laughs> He would I mean, love to have manual again, but a good auto would be okay. Mm-hmm. Rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. Cars that have caught his eye are the Charger and Challenger Scat Pack Wide Body. Okay. Those are fast. They are. Mustang GT or GT350. Mm-hmm. Those are also fast. Maybe an M2, he says. Those could, yeah, that could work. Audi S4, Tesla. He says, 911 has always been a dream car, but probably out of reach. Mm. Mm, it depends on... What which, you're looking which for. Which 911 you're going for. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And your your ability to consume the maintenance and yes. keep up with it, which scares the crap out of him, apparently, <laughs> since he's not a mechanic. He's not a mechanic. He would have to be paying somebody to work on it, and he's very concerned about that. He doesn't want anything tiny because his wife will call it a clown car, and he does not mm. want that uh, stressor. But that's worse than somebody calling your car cute. It is. It is. That's, this, that's a not this worse. This was the largest car I could afford. Anybody else hearing The Simpsons right now? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so he, he's asking what he should be considering. I, I'm, I'm extrapolating. We're talking of a, around 40 ish thousand dollars when I look at 600 uh, a month. But, but here's the flip side, though. The cars he's listing, GT350 and the Challenger Scat Pack and an M2 and a Tesla, they're all above 40. I mean, a used M2, maybe. Yeah, the used M2 would be. But that'd be the original. It wouldn't be the competitioner. Certainly not a CS, but you could, you could. But I do have your car. Today is the one-shot car day. You're doing well on that. Keep going. Well, he says, what what else should he be considering? He still has time to do some test drives and think about what he wants Mm -hmm. some more. He wants something that makes him feel like a driver again not just a robot driving back and forth to work mm. in what can sometimes seem like a boring middle-aged dad life. Wow. I, we need to get you a car quickly because yeah, yeah, yeah. you seem depressed. I, I want to help you. <laughs> and I do have your car. Okay, good. Because you went to Evo 8 or 9, and that told me you're up for some crazy styling, clearly. Oh, I know where you're going. Good, yeah? good, good. Yeah, please keep going. If I love you're this. considering good. an Evo 8 or 9... yeah. You don't care what you look like. As a matter of fact, you embrace that. That's good. That's And you want something hot and interesting, but you still need a commuter car. Mm -hmm. And then way up here at the beginning of your email, he says, I'm in a 2019 Honda Accord Sport. Mm. But that's (laughs) what car guys do. It's a great commuter. He says the Accord was a great looking car in his opinion. You're a Honda guy. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you'd be here. This is good. This is very good. Civic Type R? Yep. Civic Type R. Yep, yep, yep. It's like Honda, kind of built in Evo 8. I mean, not quite as nuts. Yeah. But it's the modern day. But it has the suspension that transforms this mm-hmm. beast from soft and commutery mm-hmm. <laughs> to 
awesome. And yeah. you will not believe that it's front wheel drive. You yeah. will not believe us. You will not say, guys, front wheel drive. Come on. And I know that's not on your list. You said rear or all wheel drive because of your WRX love. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But once you drive this car, I think you're going to be plunking. Interesting. I, I, I think that's a really interesting one. I, I like your, your thread there to the Evo 8 and 9. I do, I do <laughs> if see. you're up for that styling, I do see that a Civic Type R is going to be like, meh. I do see that connectivity, and, and, they, and they are really cool. You know what? Honestly, that car in front three-quarter view in that blue they make it in oh, is spectacularly good-looking. Good good. Yeah. The problem is the back end of that car, but the front three-quarter and even like the straight front view is menacing and great. Yeah, the blue and it, and it does drive really, really well. It's just it's really cool, yeah. and you can take the kids. And then now, because your kids are driving and they're kind of into cars and it kind of matters— they will say, look what my dad drives. Probably, yeah. Like, my dad's cool. Why can't I drive that? Because you're 16. That's exactly. why you can't drive that. But man, yes. my dad's cool. I want to drive. I want to mm-hmm. ride and you know, all that stuff. So That's funny. Nathan, that's my recommendation. Civic uh, Type R. Nate, I have three very different recommendations for you. And they, and they fall into the category of how much of a dad do you want to be? And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as how much do you want a kind of dad-feeling car? Or how much do you want a nutty car? There are three that I have here. I'm going to start off in a place kind of similar where Paul was. Where I just thought, let's just get you something fun. Yeah, yeah. That is that is ageless. That's just fun. And there I have to go Veloster in. Current Veloster in. You get a new one, probably have money left over in your budget. Totally. Current Veloster in. I think that is another one you should get. You get that, that light blue that they make for that oh, car. Yeah. Very cool looking. That is another one with adjustable suspension, adjustable everything, manual transmission. It is front wheel drive, which you're not have a tendency to lean toward. I get that, but you need to at least go drive it because yeah. I think it will surprise you. Yeah. you, you you're comparing it to your Accord which is front-wheel drive, right. and not dynamic. Now, the Accord's fine. We just released a piece on our original YouTube channel that has the Accord and all the other sedans in it as well. It's an old TV episode. Right. The, the Accord is solid, but it's not a performance front-wheel drive car like the Honda Civic that you're recommending, Paul, or the Veloster in that I'm recommending. So I think True. go drive those and surprise yourself. You could, just, you could just throw down and buy a new one and be done. And have a lot of fun. So that's that's Great. the first one. Comes with the DCT now, too, if you want that's it. That's true. That's very true. The next one I thought of is, this is a dad car, but a dad stealth car. Ooh. And that is the Genesis G70. That's a dad stealth car. That yeah. It's a very cool car that people that aren't car people are going to be like, oh, what's this, what's this car you got? That's, that's, what's all this? It's a, very nice, it's a very nice sedan. <laughs> yeah. That's a good color. I like the, the chrome and the grill. And, it's just, and then you can blow them away on a back road. Mm-hmm. And you can you can cackle because the dynamics are so very good, and the, the turbo V six in that is powerful. It's got a lot of power. Yeah. Okay, so it feels like just a luxurious four seat dad car, but it's not. It's much more than that. Watch our blue cars piece on YouTube and get a discussion about that. Yeah. You did, I would say Alpha Julia, but you don't want German, you don't want Italian, so I can't go three series. I can't go Julia, but the three the the G seventy is right in there. It is good. Genesis G seventy. I have a friend, uh, you know her as well, Kristen. Oh yeah, yeah. She and I were just talking about cars. She got a promotion. She's looking for a car. She was looking for the kind of the usual suspects. Sure. And I said, drive a Genesis G70. She said, Genesis. <laughs> and her husband, her husband, who's a friend of mine, Lance, he says, uh, he's like, we, I, I kind of like that car. She's like, I'm not driving a Genesis. It wasn't, she said it wasn't nearly classy enough for her. Oh, she started, she started know. driving around. She started driving a few things. And for whatever reason, she, she took my recommendation seriously enough to actually go to the Genesis dealer. And she called me after driving the G80 and was like, so talk to me more, more about Genesis. Really? And then she went back and drove the G70, and I think she's going to buy one. Are you serious? I think so. So my point here is, really? let the Genesis G70 surprise you, Nathan. So go That's drive fantastic. that one. And then I will, my, my wild card isn't really a wild card because you mentioned it, but I, but I want to say this. How badly do you want a 911? Mm-hmm. Because badly, uh, I know that probably. that's the answer. I, I don't want you to hold yourself back from that. Sure. At, sure. at forty to $50,000, which is what you're talking about here, you could get yourself a 997-911. That's the 05 to 2012 911. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is before they got even bigger. The 991-992 have come since. And this is still kind of a compact 911, but they're in that price range you're talking about. You're not going to get the hottest one they made. True. But get a, a standard or an S model with the six-speed and enjoy yourself. And those cars are known. Okay, yes, if you get the early ones, you're talking about possible IMS issues, but that is such a tiny percentage of those cars. And most people that had them have actually updated that at this point. And that's a weird place where if you get one with high miles, the IMS is less of an issue. It is, it is. So I I think with your budget, you really could shop 911. 
I, I mean, I, I love that. I mean, Nathan, your stock price is going to go up with your family. You'd start rocking a 911. Like, where has this guy been? People that own 911s take good care of them, mm-hmm. generally. I can't think of another car whose resale value is more affected by your maintenance records than the 911. It's 911 true. buyers are obsessive about what are the records. Yeah. Down to the point where. When he went to the dealer, how many over revs are on the the computer brain? I mean, it, so my point. They is, also look at paint meter and paint yes, depth with a paint yes. depth gauge. It is it, now that happens elsewhere as it well. Does, but I've it never does. seen it as universally as I have in nine eleven owners. Yeah, who can be who? who Interestingly enough, are also some of the nicest owners I've ever met of True. cars, but yeah. they are obsessive about their records and what were the records when I bought it and what is, I mean, I've never gotten so as far into the weeds in those conversations as guys that have 911s. So I think you buying a 997 from somebody that has loved it, you're buying a car that is well taken care of and known and you'll probably have all the records. The downside here is when it needs something, it's <laughs> going to cost you about 20% more than if you actually got anything else worked on. Trifles. However, Trifles. I don't think it's going to surprise you with random things breaking. Buy one that's well cared for, that's been well loved, that has all the records, and just pay for stuff when it needs stuff. And I don't think that's going to be very often. So that's my wild card because I know it's a stretch for you, but those are my three. It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot. And always use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer or the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You can create a high foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Damon D. has a design question. Okay. He says, when cars like a Nissan Cube happen... (laughs) When they they happen. (laughs) That's really good. I like it. Yes. How does a design team measure success? The initial answer you might think would be sales numbers. You might think, well, it's a successful car because we sold blank many and we were projected Mm -hmm. to sell this in this market because there's so many factors in any product, but especially in cars, that go into determining sales numbers and whether it's a success or kind of medium or Mm -hmm. should we kill that instantly? Kill it with fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's still alive. Kill it. Kill it. (laughs) But interestingly, I think from a design team's perspective, they're measuring market acceptance. They're measuring. Hmm. It doesn't matter if we sold 10, but those 10 buyers, they really like it for Hmm. all these great reasons. And they appreciate all the thinking and the styling and the beauty that went into the car. The things that we were thinking about that made us design at this price point at this design brief they're thinking about, huh, do, do people like it? Do, do they appreciate what we did? Mm. What are we hearing from journalists and dealers? All that kind of feedback, focus groups, uh, a little bit. But the general acceptance when they start, you know, a car gets introduced, like the Supra, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And people either start crapping all over it because it blah, blah, blah. It it's doesn't not do like whatever. the fourth yeah. gen and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it doesn't meet the thing in my mind. Or, wow. Mm-hmm. Not only does this drive great, I like how it looks. I get all kinds of looks on the freeway. People break their necks looking at it. They're taking photos of me, all that kind of stuff. That's when a design team starts to take notice and says, okay, we're onto something here because Mm. their stylistic efforts translate to all the other cars in a product's lineup, in the the, uh, company's lineup. Mm -hmm. So when they're doing this element over here, like, okay, we're hearing... People kind of like that, and we can maybe take those kinds of elements and start to apply them to other cars that do need a high-volume sales success. Mm. So that's how the design team will help the marketing and the product planning team say, look, we know that what we're onto here from a stylistic point of view is generally accepted. It doesn't matter that it's on the lowest-volume sports car. People are liking this. And if we give people a flavor of that, a taste of that over here, and this car, mm. it's a $21,000 car and it needs to sell, but look, it references our hot thing over here. Yeah. That's what people notice. Mm-hmm. That's a design team success. 
Interesting. Interesting. That's good stuff. I've got, uh, there's so many good questions. I'm going to start here with uh, Charlie K in YC. He's writing to us on Twitter and he says, uh, how does the Volvo XC60 that we currently have as a press car compare to the XC90 that we had in Texas? Now, interestingly enough, we have the same engine setup in both. Mm-hmm. I've made this joke before. Mm-hmm. Volvo has one engine. They make smart, one actually. engine. It's it is smart. <laughs> it is their little. It's two and a half liter, isn't it? Isn't it two and a half liter uh, four cylinder, right? Two is it a, or is it a two? two. I, sorry, right it's now I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But the point is, little four cylinder that you can get as little four cylinder. And guess what? That has about 150 horsepower, which is not much. But then you can get it with a turbo, mm-hmm. and then you can get that turbo added with a supercharger, and then you can get it with a turbo and a supercharger and a hybrid system, and then it becomes 400 horsepower, Pilot like on. 420 or 40 pounds of torque, which is a lot in that mm-hmm. car. And it has one of the smoothest transitions through all of those power bands I've ever encountered. Granted, it has everything you can do, but as far as how it fills with the turbo, with the hybrid and everything, it's really cool. The XC60 feels much lighter on its feet because it is such a smaller vehicle with the same powertrain as the XC90 that we had. But of course you lose usable space. Mm-hmm. So if you are focused, think of it like uh, Cayenne versus Macan. The Cayenne is not as dynamic as the Macan because right. it is just bigger. Right. Okay. Right. The Macan is more hot hatch feeling. That's the difference in the XC60. Now, in both of these, we're talking about more luxury items than we are a Porsche-focused thing. But that's the difference. That XC60 just feels a little bit lighter and kind of ready to go, which is cool. Bradley J, 1983, he's asking the latest version of this question that we're getting a lot right now because we're all freaking out about the car market right now. He's saying, does it make sense to wait to buy a used sports car, given this is currently a seller's market, or should he have be overwhelmed by his fear of missing out, and should he rush off and buy them now because they're only going to go up? Uh, Bradley, two thoughts here. First off, I was actually just reading this week about how multiple car manufacturers are seeing the shift happen in chip availability, mm-hmm. and they're actually projecting in six months to 12 months they will be back on track Okay, so that market's already turning. They're already seeing their supply chains recover, and that market is is returning. When it returns, people are going to flow back toward new cars again. They're just going to. Okay, that's going to ease up the used car market. Now, the used car specialty market, if you're shopping, I'm just going to pick the obvious one. If you're shopping for a fourth gen A80 Supra, if you don't get it now, it will be more a year from now. That's true. The specialty true. used market yeah. I don't think is coming back down. It might a little bit, but I think the really hot special ones are going to stay where they are, keep going up for a while. Okay? Because that and that's driven I think mostly by the fear of what all the all electric world's going to be. But I think the general yeah. used yeah. market, including most used sports cars, is going to come down in the next year. That's my that's my suspicion. We'll see what happens. So unless you're buying one of these like icons, I think you can wait. Apex Carver eighty six asks, "How do you convince your neighbors that you aren't a drug dealer when you keep switching up your garage every few months?" <laughs> <laughs> can I can I tell the England story? You got to tell the story. Okay, but hang on. He, yeah, he temporarily temporarily trades cars with friends every so often, so he ex- can experience something different. And he always gets weird looks from his neighbors. Mm-hmm. Some have come up to him asking what he does for a living. He doesn't mind it, but his wife is getting a bit sick and tired of it. <laughs> yeah, you think that's hard? Todd and I are going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. My neighbors have come out of the woodwork. Yeah, and. They- it's pretty funny, yeah, with just the amount of press cars. But, uh, yeah, you had a story about well, this. Well, the weather's so nice here now that your neighbors are now, they're, like, out walking the neighborhood, and they just keep stopping yeah. randomly yeah. and just asking what's going on. No, I, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story that I thought was hysterical. I will admit I don't know the source. If you are listening to this and you know the source or you are the source, I would be more than happy to give you credit, okay? But I saw this is like a tweet that was retweeted by somebody else, mm-hmm. okay? So this mm-hmm. is how I said it a while back. But uh, a British journalist retweeted this other British automotive journalist, and he posted the letter that he got from his local council, essentially his neighborhood HOAs in England, all right? And it was a scathing letter that he needed to appear before the local council to explain himself, okay? (laughs) This is a guy that's an automotive journalist. He is male, single automotive journalist. Right. Okay? He's had, imagine the kind of cars that are coming through his driveway, in a sleepy little English village. Mm-hmm. The local council sent him a letter that said, we believe you are in violation. We know you're in violation of all of our kind of HOA rules, if you will, because we see all of these very expensive cars in your driveway. They're constantly changing out at all hours of the day and night, and they don't match the other cars of the neighborhood. 
and we've seen young women leaving late at night. So we're pretty sure that you're in violation because you're running a brothel. And I, I laughed myself till I cried because I just thought that is the extreme version of what we're talking about where you just, yeah, because you have nice cars and, and you're single, clearly you're running a brothel. Clearly it's what happens. Uh, hmm. Your, your apex, you're going to have to be uh, delicate. And I would say you're just going to have to entertain the neighbors coming up to you because I'm getting this a lot. Mm-hmm. You are. People are coming and saying, I'm not this type of person. I don't usually do this, but <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> yeah. And so once a few neighbors have asked, guess what? Word's going to get around the neighborhood. Yeah, for sure. And then you'll be talked to in a nice light. On July 4th, I had some lovely local neighbors introduce themselves to me and insist that I come over for drinks. And I don't think that would have happened if I hadn't had a Lotus Evora GT and a BMW M2CS and uh, yes, a bunch of other cars, yeah. the Genesis. I, I, I don't think I had any actual more space in my driveway. Your driveway was heavy July 4th weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I set a record because I had nine cars on my property. It was insane. <laughs> it, it, it looks like you're running a car lot out there sometimes. <laughs> And they just stopped by to introduce themselves. They're new to the neighborhood mm-hmm. from Chicago, and I loved meeting them. They were, they were wonderful, gracious people, and they said, oh, you have to come over for drinks. And I said, I'm coming over. That's great. <laughs> but they great. stopped because they were like, what is going on here? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so there's also a question a lot about Florida here. Michael H. is considering buying a sub-$12,000 car for Florida. He probably needs something that can fit four people and some luggage, as it will be for vacation and rental property. He'd like it to be fun to drive. What should he look at? Pontiac GTO. You can probably buy them in Florida. Oh, yeah. 12 grand, four people, luggage, fun to drive, sports car-ish. He's not requiring convertible, right? He's just... Didn't say. Okay. All right. Interesting. Pontiac yeah, GTO? That's a good one. That, Power? Yeah. Lots of money. Lots of your money there, for sure. There's also my cheap Phaeton, who says, is a slingshot an acceptable rental for a car enthusiast <laughs> hanging out on South Beach? Or is a slingshot never acceptable for a car enthusiast? As a matter of fact, we see a lot of slingshots around here because people rent them and they just mm-hmm. bomb around the mountains in them. Yeah. I see them everywhere. I, I think it's just personal preference. I will admit that part of my education was sponsored by Aprilia. Mm-hmm. So the Italian yeah. bike company, they yeah, came yeah. over and they yeah. wanted to sponsor a project. And I designed a three-wheeler then, but it was real more for flat track racing. Mm-hmm. It was a different design, different little bit of a different headspace. So I was exploring that, but had never ridden one. But this was a rider active three-wheeler, meaning yeah, you straddle yeah, it and you shift your weight mm-hmm. like a bike, like an ATV. Yeah. The slingshot is like a side-by-side. It's the two-place, a mm-hmm. little bit different kind of thing and yeah. whatever you think about them. I think it's just personal preference. Well, but I also think that the slingshot, it's, it's, its native world is somewhere like Miami. It is. Be, yeah. or, or I've also seen them in Vegas, even though it gets crazy hot in Vegas to do that. <laughs> you're looking but, at people. People are looking at you. Yes. But someplace yeah. where you're going to do the slow cruise yeah. and there's stuff to look at and the weather is nice. This is slingshot weather, people. Totally. And, and, and that's where you rent one. And you, here's the thing. You rent one and you just get the laugh for the day. You just, I mean, because, because it also feels like. Other people like, get the laugh for the day too. Fine. But it also <laughs> feels like the perfect car that you wouldn't necessarily want to own, but it's perfect for that moment. I say if you're going to rent one, that's the place to rent one for sure. Eli Miller 64 has a question that I am chewing on. All right. C5 base Corvette. Everybody picturing that? Okay. So the late nineties Corvette. Right. As a daily driver. Mm. Sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. In upstate New York, where mm. okay. they get just about the most snow of anywhere. So he's saying, great idea or death trap? First off, Eli, must buy proper tires. Yes. Are even going to consider this? I, I think I would like to encourage you in this, encourage you to do this with proper winter tires. However, you haven't said where in upstate New York, you haven't given us an idea of how much snow you get, but we know that upstate New York gets hammered by snow. Your issue is going to be clearance when the roads aren't cleared. That's going to be your problem. Okay. Yeah. So having driven an FRS and other things in the snow, I I don't think the fact that it's rear wheel drive is your issue. I don't think that's it. It's just going to be sheer ground clearance. If you live in a place where they actually plow roads regularly enough, that's not an issue. They're like normally plowed. I think you'd be fine. I think people are going to look at you really weird, but I think you're going to be fine. If you have, like, I can't get down my driveway until they plow it at noon, you have a problem. The only other thing I'm going to say is you have to have a release valve here. You have to have a car that that should you have a day, the two, three days a year when it's just impossible, how are you getting places? Do you have an alternate car? Do you have an alternate friend? Do you have the ability to call into work that day and be like, I'm not coming in? If you have those kind of things, I think yes. If those realities aren't possible, it may not be the right call. 
Rusty Buckskin is using an ND2 Miata RF as an example to ask his question, if it's better to purchase a car with the performance parts from the factory or buy a base model and upgrade the mm. same parts with aftermarket parts. Well, he's considering this RF and is wondering if that performance package with the Brembos, the Forge BBS wheels, and the Recaro seats are worth the extra cost. It does seem like a great package, but very hard to find one equipped with it around his area. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, it does seem like the right thing. Whenever car companies do that, they've done the research and yeah, the testing yeah. for you. They've chosen those parts because mm-hmm. those brakes are fitted and work with that car. What's also great is that's OEM parts. Mm-hmm. Depending on the car, like a Ford Mustang, mm-hmm. you can get so many great performance parts for it that aren't the sketchy, cheapo, I'm not sure if this will be You're good right. or yeah, yeah. really yeah. quite a good part. You can comfortably and safely, with confidence, go buy so many different aftermarket parts from so many different companies. Mm-hmm. Power mm-hmm. Stop Brakes is a great example. They're our sponsor, and they upgrade you above stock mm-hmm. for the same price as stock. Yeah. Then when you're getting into even more things like springs and shocks and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, well, you know the parts are going to fit. When it's like this and you can afford it, I say go for it. But if it's not... Buying the base model, I think you're going to spend more time, more effort online, and you still don't have that quite that good feeling about, Mm. did I get the right part? Because, well, we offer these parts in sport and street and street and race and then full race mode. (laughs) Which Which, one do I need? Who am I? Who am I? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Did I buy a race suit this week? I did not. Okay. So you're going to be starting to sort things, even though you're technically spending less money, but... Now you've also just bought the parts. Mm-hmm. Do you have the ability to install them? Yeah. If you're yeah. not, you're paying somebody to do so. So now your costs went up again. Yeah. Again, that NDE2, that RF, has the stuff installed. It's ready to go. Yeah, it's a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But then if you're sourcing parts and you're going, well, now I'm tuning the car and it leads to a deep rabbit hole because it does. now I'm replacing that. Well, oh, that uh, comes with those shock snubbers and, and that new hat on the thing and the... It's, yeah. it's a deep hole. Oh, look, it that is. sway bar's on sale right now. Huh. Well, I'm not a guy that says that ever says shop for resale. But I am going to say in this case, it was, what's interesting is if you paid the extra money to get the performance pack, that car is worth more, period, than it will be if you buy it as the base model and you put parts on it. Mm-hmm. Because typically when somebody is selling, please, don't buy for selling. I'm just using this as, as, a, as a logical exercise. If you buy that car and you put a bunch of aftermarket parts on it, it will sell for less than if it were the base car with nothing on it, mm-hmm. which is what's crazy. Now, don't buy it for that reason, again. But the other thing about it is the only thing time I think this is okay to do as the base version when you really want the performance version is if you know you have somebody like Flying Miata who mm-hmm. races Miatas and is known in the industry about they actually fine-tune stuff and they will sell you a package that does X. You want the car to be like this? Buy this package. Most cars have lots of companies that try things. A few cars have companies that are known to do it right. Flying Miata on Miata is way up there. Now, I also think if you've driven the base RF and you like it, I think you would only like the performance pack more. I think that is a car that if you test drove the base one and you said, I think I'd like the performance pack, I think it's worth shipping one in and buying it. Mm, Yeah, yeah, So I I prefer to always tell you don't be your own R&D department. There's obviously gray areas. Guys, we sure appreciate all your social media questions. We are taking a midsummer break after this podcast, but we're shooting the Cheap Sports Car Challenge. And as Todd said, August, it's on. It's a monster. August is cheap sports cars here all the time. I cannot wait to share all the stuff we have for you guys. It's going to be very good. And catch season three, Beaver and Horse. Let us know what you think. We had a lot of fun shooting it. Until next time, cheers, everyone.